Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's edition of the show. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking today about a topic that is really grabbing headlines, and in fact, it's well, even though it's grabbing headlines, it's often not getting the attention it needs. So a surprising contrast, it's not just an issue in Indian country. It is affecting people throughout the world in literally epidemic or, should we say, pandemic proportions. My guest, Dr. Gregory Jantz, is here to help us with the topic of suicide. Dr. Jantz, it is so great to have you with us on today's show. Good to be with you. And it's a difficult topic, but it's one we need to talk about. It really is a difficult topic. And, you know, so often, even though we know as health professionals, there is just considerable trauma, pain, suffering that's going on because of suicide. Often it really does not get the attention that it deserves. People are not talking about it as much as they should. And especially as we talk about indigenous people groups throughout the world, often unique challenges there and sometimes real challenges with discussing the issues. Dr. Jantz, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're so passionate about this topic. You know, this is actually my 40th book, and I, I did not ever dream that I would do a book on this topic of suicide and suicide prevention. But here the last couple of years, uh, Dr. David, what we've seen is across uh, so many groups, uh, suicide and suicide ideation, uh, those considering suicide, thinking about it, these numbers really have it's difficult to say, but but they've skyrocketed. This is a, uh, something that is happening at alarming numbers, really, and we've really seen it increase the last two years. I founded a facility uh, outside of the Seattle area. I'm looking out over the beautiful waterfront in a small community called Edmonds. This is our 38th year, and uh, we uh, treat individuals from all well, internationally and all over the country uh, for depression and anxiety. And the third uh, issue that we're seeing a lot of is that of addiction. And mm. anytime addiction goes up, you will have suicide numbers also go up. One of the questions, Greg, that I always get, and I'm sure you do too, people you know, hear me introduced as Dr. David DeRose. They say, well, what are you a doctor of? And so I go, you know, internal medicine, preventive medicine. In your case, what does that uh, DR in front of your name indicate? Oh, sure, sure. So um, I'm a, a mental health expert in the area of, and it's PhD. Uh, so I do counseling, and my area has been depression and anxiety. This is so needed today, and we've got a lot of encouraging messages. Like you mentioned earlier, you have put out a lot of material over the years. You've got a lot of firsthand experience. So when we talk about this topic to a lay audience like much of my listenership is, of course, we have many health professionals tuning in as well. But for those lay folks, they hear the word depression, they hear the word anxiety, and a lot of people think, well, yeah, I get depressed every now and then. I may be anxious about things. But when we talk clinically, what really are we talking about when we talk about these conditions? Sure. When we talk about depression or anxiety, we're talking about something that has been 
going on for a while. It's not seeming to go away. And it's beginning to interfere with uh, your daily functioning, how you're looking at your life. It's hard for you to maybe to make decisions. Your sleep could be disruptive. You know, you mentioned epidemics. We're uh, in the middle of a sleep disorder epidemic. I used to be involved in sleep research. And so what we're finding is all these symptoms of depression and anxiety, by the way, can get so severe. I mean, there's different forms, but, you know, we're seeing a lot of social anxiety. By the way, all the social rules have changed. Uh, if you see somebody, it's like, well, do I shake their hand? <laughs> I certainly don't hug them. What's the rules? You know, everything's different. There's been a lot of isolation. With this confusion of the last couple of years, folks have really seen an increase in uh, a sense of pending doom. We have mm. far too many folks who have uh, really landed in a place of despair, despair about their future, their life, they're not able to function. Anxiety takes away that ability to, you know, this prefrontal cortex up here where we're supposed to make good decisions. It's like, if I have too much anxiety, I can't seem to make any kind of decision. And that's a a real challenge right now. We're seeing some uh, emergency rooms that are using the term COVID psychosis. Now, that's a new Mm. term. Isn't that interesting? COVID psychosis is just a term that describes a person who has lived in depression and anxiety, and they're beginning to break with reality because of what they've been living through. Wow. These are tough times. There's no uh, arguing that. And yet you're putting out hope. The uh, book that uh, I heard about you in context of was uh, So Much to Live For, So Much to Live For, the name of the book. The uh, subtitle of that book, I think, is powerful. Uh, Tell us what it is. Yeah, so much to live for. Now, I know if you've had a loved one, and by the way, most of us, if we don't know somebody that's taken their life, we probably know of someone. And uh, so this is something that's kind of grown closer to our inner circle. And when you think about somebody who's taken their life, it is uh, traumatic to obviously has a huge ripple effect. What we're attempting to do is really look at how can we be preventative? And I'm just going to share, there's several age groups that we're really concerned about. And these are kind of some general age groups. The first one is ages 12 to 17. Suicide is the second leading cause of death. Now that sounds really strange, Uh, Dr. David, to say 12 to 17-year-olds, are you kidding me? Suicide. Uh, The other is uh, we're seeing more men in particular, uh, not unusual, mid-40s, early 50s is kind of another uh, age group that, frankly, we're concerned about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are staggering statistics. I mean, that number two leading cause of death in 12 to 17-year-olds, I'm assuming number one is uh, unintentional injuries. Is that uh, on the top of the list? Yes, and that would include automobile accidents as well. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, some people even have challenges parsing out, was this suicide? Was it, uh, you know, just uh, an unintentional injury that caused death? So tell us first, uh, Greg, about that population, those, uh, those younger individuals. What can we do for them? Well, here's a few things we know about the age group 12 to 17, and those, that's kind of an approximate age group. Uh, it's on our radar. So we know the last, uh, oh, last year we had the highest academic failure rates ever, mm. ever recorded in history. 
Now that's, that's huge. So kids did not do well by and large switching to a virtual or remote learning environment. We really did have record number of academic failures, male wow. and females. So that said, uh, there's a lot of apathy in this age group uh, for their futures. Uh, we're finding that uh, addiction, addiction is starting at earlier uh, ages. Uh, if we even look at the exposure to pornography on the internet, that's starting at much younger ages, ages eight or nine. Wow. And so this pattern, uh, and they're living a life that is digital. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main source what are, is social media. And so those are not necessarily what we'll call real relationships. Um, but social media is the form uh, of main how they're channeling their life through digital the digital media. We do know that the more time spent on social media, um, if you're already struggling with depression, you're going to probably come out feeling more depression. Also, there's the developmental stages that we go through. Uh, one of those would be, I see you in person, we do things together, I see your face, you're really there, you don't have that in social media. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's a lot of what we call ghosting. Uh, people come into a online relationship, then they disappear and you never hear from them again. I just talked to somebody who said um, that many of their relationships ended, they never heard back from anybody why and it was devastating wow so the patterns of how do i learn to have friendships uh what's normal now kids aren't necessarily learning that and if you have addiction starting at earlier ages it's kind of a ticking time bomb for a disaster so we've got some unique challenges in the younger age groups and then we move to this other focus individuals we would say in the prime of life 40s 50s especially men why do men seem to be more prone to suicide? I mean, that's a statistic we've we've heard in you know the healthcare field for for decades. Why do we make that connection, though? Many may feel that, particularly through this pandemic season, that somehow they have failed and they weren't prepared. They haven't been able to care for their family. Uh, maybe they've been struggling with a secret addiction. Uh, alcohol sells uh, certainly at, at all time highs as well. And so we know that this age group for men is especially prone towards addiction. And that addiction can take, uh, I mentioned alcohol, could be drugs, uh, could be a, a number of different things. We do know that for men, they tend to be more successful in their suicide attempts. Uh, they tend to um, do fewer attempts, and they're generally more successful. Now, that's um, difficult, again, to say, but that's the reality. And so people are feeling a great apathy towards their future. It's like, well, look, I've, I've failed. Things are not working. There's no hope for my future. And so it puts them in a place where if they're using anything that's mood altering, they may make some decisions and be very impulsive. So I love the title of your book, So Much to Live For. I mean, you're really addressing what we're talking about in both of these high-risk groups. You know, we're talking about teenagers, adolescents who are saying, well, what's the point? I'm not connecting with my peers. I'm not doing well in school. We've got people in midlife. They're struggling with some of these same issues with hopelessness. What kind of messages, Dr. Greg, are you giving when you talk to people about reasons to live? Yeah, 
Well, one of the things that happens is if you're really struggling with thinking about suicide, you probably don't see any reasons to live. And and I could say, well, yeah, you have lots of reasons. I mean, we could just debate about it, but that's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we need to do is I, if you're struggling, I really, really need to listen to you and understand the depths of your struggle. So often there's shame and embarrassment in a person who's struggling with suicide. Um, they're not talking really to anybody about it. And one of the myths as we talk about suicide is if I bring it up or I use that word, I might give somebody an idea. Actually, the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. If you ask somebody who's been struggling and you say, um, I really care about you. And can you tell me how bad things are? So I understand. And then you follow up with the question, have you ever thought about taking your life? Is it that bad? Just opening up that door of communication could be the beginning of saving a life. And I think the big fear, uh, Greg, for a lot of lay people is, well, they say, if I ask that question and the person says, yes, well, then what do I do? Right. Well, um, I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep asking uh, questions that are pretty well open-ended. If a person says, well, yeah, I have kind of been thinking about taking my life. And I'm just going to ask the simple question, well, can you help me understand more about that? What are you thinking about? You know, and a lot of times a person will say, um, well, I've been thinking about, you know, and they'll say a method. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've been writing down some people that I'm going to leave a letter for. Okay, so they've been thinking it. Um, Mm -hmm. They've been plotting it. They've been mapping it out. And that's what we want them to talk about. Then we want to be a part of the solution. This is not anything that we want to carry alone if somebody has shared this. I am going to tell them, um, I want you to give me some time. Uh, Let's find the right kind of help right now. Will you allow me to be a part of this? And let's give this some time. Um, So when we're talking to somebody, we're we're really honoring what they're experiencing, but we also Mm -hmm. want to uh, have the time to, to help them. Uh, If you're thinking about suicide, your thinking has already gotten a bit distorted. In other words, you don't see any other options. So this is the final option. You probably feel hopeless and you probably feel helpless. Boy, this is such important stuff, Greg. We have got to talk more about this. I'm glad that you're able to stay by as we continue American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose, Dr. Gregory Jantz. He's not leaving. Don't you leave either. A lot more important messaging for you and for those that you love coming up right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. 
Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm. Then I heard about the USDA's loan program for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. It's for women and minorities who may be having trouble getting credit. Once I was approved, the USDA's Farm Service Agency helped me get the credit I needed. Now I don't have to sell, and I can pass the farm down to my kids the way Jim's dad passed it down to him. I know he'd like that. Contact your local USDA service center or visit www.fsa.usda.gov. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Dr. Gregory Jantz. Dr. Jantz has been working in the area of mental health for a number of decades. He's been helping people just like you if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, if you've had thoughts about suicide. And if you're not struggling with those things, we can pretty much guarantee that there's people around you that are. That's what we've been talking about in today's show so far, if you've just jumped on. Greg, before we uh, talk more about things that can help people as we're seeking to be helpers or getting assistance for ourselves, tell us a little bit about the place you call home as far as your treatment center there. Sure. I'm actually looking outside the window, seeing the beautiful, what we call the Olympic Mountain Range and the wonderful water there, the Puget Sound. So I'm right near the beach area. This is where the facility, the Center of Place of Hope, has been now. This is our 38th year. Wow, that seems funny to say that. But we're a whole person facility. In other words, uh, we do things just a little differently. We actually uh, build teams. So we have everything from we do full medical, we do psychiatric, we do a little bit of uh, dietitian and nutrition, uh, fitness. Uh, we look at the spiritual side of a person's life, but we bring it all together. We got the counselors um, and everybody gets a literally a hand-picked team to work with them while they're here. And uh, we, we generally work with folks, well, four to six weeks is average. And uh, that's a period of time where we feel that it really takes that. People come and they stay here. I'm looking out over here, the beautiful uh, housing and condo type housing. So it's not a doesn't look like a hospital, but we're what's called a partial hospital. And I tell you, I am probably more 
passionate about what we're doing now than ever before. I am seeing the great need, and I'm seeing that uh, there are limited resources. People are looking for help, and it's at times really hard to find the help uh, that you need. And we maintain a referral database of uh practitioners that we've worked with uh, throughout the country. And we really do our best to help a person land the kind of help they need if it's not with us. That is so tremendous. And uh, it's so exciting, I think, to folks throughout Indian country and others who are close to those indigenous roots, just hearing about that whole person emphasis, because so often today, it seems like things are so segmented, so compartmentalized, people are often really looking for that holistic approach. So uh, really, it's great to hear about your philosophy there. Well, and we really do believe, and that's one of the things that maybe is a little different in that um, we've got to bring together all the pieces of the whole person. Uh, That's how we were designed, and we need to honor that with uh, everybody that comes to us and uh, comes to us with different beliefs. But what we want to do is we want to empower long-term, I would say, sustaining change. And so it's more than, I know we live in a culture that, would you just please give me the pill and make everything okay? I certainly get that. Um, But we want to make sure that we're more comprehensive than just a single approach. Now, I know we've got a lot of listeners in the Pacific Northwest, and some may be saying, well, I'm trying to get the information down for the center but um, others are far, far away from Alaska to the southeast to the the northeast. So taking in the whole of the U.S. Uh, into Canada and beyond. So if someone is saying, boy, I'd love to connect with some of Dr. Jantz's material, but I don't know that I'm going to be getting out to the Seattle area anytime soon. Is there a single best place to refer people to? Well, and I have a a fair amount of information and articles and so forth and resources and books on aplaceofhope.com, aplaceofhope.com. And uh, the books should be available at your favorite uh, online retailer. Um, We also have a a fairly new book that is out on anxiety, the anxiety reset. Sometimes we've got to reset this anxiety in our life. So we did a book called The Anxiety Reset. And uh, we want to be as helpful as we can. You mentioned Alaska. We have uh, two folks right now here from Alaska. Um, And so we love to work with folks who both are able to come. And we live in an environment here that they say, this reminds me a lot of Alaska. And not quite as cold, but the setting. <laughs> I could understand that having been up there. One of our stations is up in Nome, Alaska. Yes. And uh, some years back, I did a number of shows on site. And definitely, uh, having been to your neck of the woods, I could I could see some similarities. Although definitely not as cold in uh, Seattle, at least any time I've been there. I know. Well, great. So, Greg, let's uh, talk a little bit more about couple of the things that you've mentioned, even just in this segment, you've got me fascinated by the whole concept of the anxiety reset. I do work as a clinician as well. I'm strictly limited to telemedicine right now on a part-time basis, working with a practice that I've worked with for, for a number of years. And I have so many people that I'm dealing with right now who are dealing with anxiety. But I've never heard this concept of an anxiety reset. So help me understand it. 
Sure. Well, and you know, we should look at anxiety maybe on a continuum. There's there's the mild anxiety that we all have. By the way, we're a human being. Things happen. Things happen out of our control, and, and we've got to walk through some things, and they can be anxious to do. And then there's the anxiety that if we look at it on a continuum, after a while, it intensifies, and our ability to cope with it, it's disruptive to our sleep. We may... I just seeing more folks they're waking up during the night, their heart is racing, they're sweaty, gasping for air, and in essence they're having a panic attack while they're they're sleeping. And so that's what we're talking about. Anxiety can get if the word I like to use, anxiety can get a stronghold in your life. It's like I can't seem to shake this off. And then there's the social anxiety where I've become afraid of really being with people. And uh, the more isolation we have, uh, the more anxiety can go up. So when we think about reset, well, what's the sources of my anxiety? Sometimes the things we're doing to try to cope, actually you're creating more harm. If I um, am anxious and I'm just going to drink alcohol, well, mm. that's that may knock me out to sleep for a little while, but it's going to create a greater anxiety and depression as time goes along. So what are the things I'm doing that could be adding to my anxiety? Um, after a while, by the way, anxiety gets so intense when it doesn't go away that you feel like, and it wouldn't be unusual to say, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm losing my mind. I just can't get my thoughts mm. back. And, and you feel this pending doom that is always there. And so what we're saying is, well, to reset all this, okay, well, um, I may need to look at a number of things uh, in my life that are contributing to this. I may need to look at some root causes as well. Anytime maybe there's been significant trauma in one's life, uh, maybe there's some unresolved issues, maybe there's some ongoing secret addiction. You know, what are all the contributors to that anxiety? It could be even a, a spiritual piece that we need to look at. So we want to look mm. at all those uh, areas. So a reset goes, I'm going to work on certain things, and I got to look at my physiology. What's what's going on inside? You know, maybe I have some physical issues that are contributing and creating a physiological anxiety. Uh, maybe the, my thyroid's having an issue and I'm mm -hmm. experiencing anxiety. So we've got to cover that medical side as well. So the reset's going to look at every area of your life. And I think at times it's kind of taking baby steps. It's like, I'm not going to do this all at once, but I need to have a 30, 60 day plan that I'm going to keep working on this because anxiety is something you don't avoid and you have to walk through it. <laughs> you got to be on the tip of that spear and, and you got to walk through the anxiety. Yeah, you can walk through. It can be pretty rough, but I can come out a lot stronger and have tools for the future. I so appreciate, Greg, this emphasis on whole person health. And I'm glad you mentioned the medical diagnoses because a lot of us as clinicians, I mean, we've seen those individuals who are hyperthyroid. They're producing that excessive amount of thyroid hormone. And whether it's driving anxiety or palpitations, they're sweating, losing weight, uh, they don't always, though, fit that, you know, classic picture. They may have more of the mental health effects than something else. So, you know, I'm so glad that when you speak about a reset, you're not just looking at some narrow, circumscribed focus, but really you're bringing that whole person picture in. 
So the anxiety reset, that's one of the things I can actually find at aplaceofhope.com. Is that right? Sure. That book should be available online. Should be everywhere. <laughs> so, yep. Well, let, let's step back because a lot of times I, I know when I'm coding, you know, nowadays as clinicians, we're doing the coding. In the old days, you know, I'd scribble the diagnosis and I'd have some medical records person would try to try to figure out what I had scribbled. And then, you know, assign a diagnosis code. You know, now we're doing this all electronically online and there's drop down menus that come down. And often I see that drop down menu come down when I'm dealing with a person who's got mental health issues. And somewhere on that list, I'll see anxiety and depression. They're actually put together in a common label on individuals. So we want to transition in our next segment, Greg, to talking about depression, how, uh, it interfaces with anxiety, and we want to come back to your book, So Much to Live For. You're able to stay by, aren't you? You got it. Good, good. So we are going to step away just briefly. Dr. Gregory Jantz, my guest, he's going to be staying by a lot of practical things that can help you and those you love when it comes to the area of mental health. We'll be right back after these important messages. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart, and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samhsa.gov support. That's samhsa.gov support. Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth. If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. 
Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. With me, Dr. Gregory Jantz. Dr. Jantz is the founder of The Center. It is a place of hope, and he is talking really about hope, whether you're dealing with anxiety or depression or other mental health challenges, really trying to impact this uh, epidemic, this pandemic of suicide that has really been affecting the entire world, only been ramped up by everything that we've been dealing with in the area of COVID-19, and it's, uh, well, it's far-reaching tentacles, dare I say. Greg, we want to speak about some of the really exciting stories that uh, have played out uh, as you've worked with people over the years. I know you've put some of these stories into your books. Uh, Tell us some things that would give us some hope today. Well, and I have the real blessing of seeing people's lives transform. And honestly, that's probably one of the things that keeps me going mm. is seeing the the outcome in a person's life. And uh, on that website, aplaceofhope.com, uh, we have people just share their testimony of how their lives transformed. And I can think of many of these. Uh, one uh, story that is fairly recent was a person who, it was 20 some years of just struggling with the desire to die. Mm. This is uh, was a female. I think she came to us in mid forties, um, but since her teenage years, just uh, never feeling like there was much of a purpose for her life. Feeling uh, ongoing depression. Had tried a lot of different things and seen a number of counselors through the years, but never could shake off that sense that I have a purpose and why am I even alive? And so she spent a lot of time really thinking about how can I end my life? Wow. And uh, for her, the what kept her from completing it um, was the fear of what happens to me if I take my life? Hmm. Where do I go? And so that fear was so great. She never did follow through, though she spent so much time uh, really in that obsessive thinking about taking her life. And One of the things that were missed in her treatment uh, was that she had been a victim of some early childhood uh, sexual abuse that was really Mm. significant and that she felt such great shame about herself, that something uh, she was defective, something severely wrong with me. I I probably deserved it. I mean, that's how the thinking goes, Mm -hmm, but it mm -hmm. never really been dealt with. Um, so the, the fear of dealing with past abuse had contributed to that sense of, I don't have any value and there's no, really no purpose for my life. You know, so some of the early abuse needed to be talked about, dealt with to the best of that she could of, of forgiveness had to enter in. And she said in, in her testimony that as I began to, work on forgiveness, I begin to feel differently about my future. Now, that was really, as I began to work on forgiveness, I started to feel differently about my future. And not that it was instant, um, but she began to understand that she had value and and that there was a purpose for her to be alive. And uh, she never really had healthy relationships. She never really knew how to do that. 
And so uh, begin to work on relationships, begin to self-care and take care of herself like she had never really done before. Because if you don't have a sense of value, you just don't, it doesn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't take care of yourself. She began to discover gifts and talents about who, who she was made to be. And so it was an exciting process. So sometimes there are some hidden root causes that we need to deal with. I'm so glad you mentioned the topic of forgiveness. I actually, not long ago, was speaking with someone, and they were sharing a very, I mean, I'm not going to say a similar story because I don't really know the whole uh, you know, life story of this individual you just mentioned, but they were talking about really dysfunctional relationships uh, in their family of origin and how one of the things that was really the breakthrough was when they decided they were going to forgive a family member who had uh, mistreated them. And uh, they just talked about how transformative that was. I've been hearing a lot more, Greg, about the power of forgiveness and how, you know, holding on to real resentment, uh, wrongs that have been done to us can be so devastating. Do we really have any strong insight into why there's this uh, connection between forgiveness and healing? Yes, isn't that powerful? I know there's been... Uh, fortunately, there have been some interesting studies on f- forgiveness, and I know it's hard to measure, even hard to talk about, because mm-hmm. you know there's self-forgiveness where I need to release myself, as well as forgiveness of others and how I've been hurt and offended. What we do know is, if I'm carrying bitterness, resentment, I'm carrying a poison in my life, and it has a ripple effect into my future and all my relationships. So in some way, I've got to deal with that bitterness and resentments uh, to really have a sense of, of I'm clean from that. And we know if I live in bitterness, I'm probably going to live in blame. I tend to blame mm. myself. I tend to blame other people. And that kind of that spirit of blame uh, pushes people away. I won't have any healthy relationships. Uh, so forgiveness is powerful. I think of Dr. Everett Worthington, who's done so many studies on the topic of forgiveness and the difference it makes in our physical well-being as well as our emotional well-being. Excellent stuff. Let's come back to the uh, book that uh, you've got out now, So Much to Live For. Uh, we talked a little bit about this theme earlier in the show, and many of the folks that most need that book, they may say, so much to live for. I mean, that's definitely not me. Tell us a little bit what was going on in your mind, Dr. Jantz, when you, well, chose the title for that book. Because if I'm struggling, or I know a loved one who's struggling, um, the whole idea that there really is so much to live for, are you kidding me? Um, Because even sometimes just that title goes, no, you don't understand my situation. There's not much to live for. <laughs> and, and I'm saying, no, there's so much to live for. Um, and that's, that's hard to grasp. Because anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, it blinds you. It blinds you from the future that you could have. Remember, suicide and depression, it lies to you. You end up looking at through the lenses of distorted reality, and, and times we don't even realize that. So I do believe there is hope. Now, hope comes when there's a plan. I may need others uh, to help me with that plan, but hope mm-hmm. comes when I get a plan together. 
Well, I'm hearing a number of things loud and clear as we've been talking together, Dr. Jantz. One of them is definitely we need to engage with people. If I'm interested in in seeing people do well, if I want to be an ambassador of hope, if you will, I want to engage. I want to interface with people. I want to talk with them. But I also uh, am hearing that one of the real important things is connecting people with sources of care. Uh, You've brought together a whole team there in the Seattle area, but regardless of where a person is, they need to access services, uh, people that have really an interest in the kind of things that can help them. But what about some simple steps a person can take even right now? Let's say someone is saying, well, yeah, I mean, all this is great, but I don't even know where to start. I don't know who to reach out to. What do you recommend for someone who's maybe it's just mild anxiety, but it's frustrating them? Uh, They're not going to hurt themselves or hurt anyone else, but they're just frustrated with their situation. Dr. David, I would always encourage make today the day that you do something. Mm. Uh, and reach out for more information, reach if it's a book, but get resources, make a decision today. I'm going to gather more information, even if I don't feel like it. Well, maybe I need to find out what are my options for for getting help? Um, Where are the resources? Um, Do I need to commit over the next two weeks to uh, read a book with some new information, but make a decision today? And that's what's important. The first decision that you make today will lead to the next decision. Let's get in a role of making some decisions uh, that are going to possibly have some really good fruit. I love this emphasis on taking action because sometimes that's one of the hardest things to do when we're dealing with mental health issues. But is it safe to say that one place that someone could start is at aplaceofhope.com? Yes, and there's some new new blogs. I put one on this week on uh, anxiety. So, you know, just start reading some information, gathering more information. Absolutely. A place of hope is it's a good place to begin and even to find out, well, where can I go to get what kind of help is available. So just start it rolling. Start to build a plan of hope. As we're talking about taking action, Greg, one of the things you mentioned as we were dialoguing is this whole lifestyle dimension. You know, a lot of times we talked about how we compartmentalize things. Someone goes to someone for their mental health, someone else for their physical health, maybe a nutritionist for this, maybe a personal trainer for that. Why, if we focus on maybe a couple of the more common lifestyle areas, diet and exercise, why are those so important when it comes to our mental health? You know, after a while, what I put in my mouth does matter. (laughs) You go, are you kidding me? Um, If you notice when you're depressed, you might tend to eat differently. I either overeat, maybe I undereat. Also, I'm going to make a general statement. But if I'm depressed, I may like sweet and smooth food sweet. I eat more sugar, like ice cream. You know, uh, When you're depressed, uh, you want to feel different. And so how you eat can temporarily help you feel a little different. So, but what we know is our nutrition does make a difference. Uh, our movement, our exercise uh, over time, it's not that it's all of a sudden, you know, changes how you feel, but over time, it makes a significant difference. One of the things I've noticed with a lot of folks, it seems like with physical activity, seems like it has this ability to kind of uh, equalize, if you will, the mood. If they're if they're overstimulated, it tends to bring them down. If they're kind of uh, dragging, it helps to bring them up. Is that just my observation, or have you seen something similar as well? Oh, I would I would agree with you. Yeah. So, um, 
by the way, if you're not feeling good, depressed and anxious, you probably don't even care to eat well, by the way, or mm. you go, go for a walk. Are you kidding me? No, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, drink water. Uh, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to drink any water. So you won't feel like doing it. Oh, by the way, when we're anxious, we tend to drink a lot of other things besides some simple things like mm. water that helps over time improve our concentration and water improves mood. You know, But the things that you can do that are good to do, sometimes we feel like not doing them. This is just so practical because what I hear you saying is, you know, the things that grandma told you to do, the things that your elders shared with you, those things are still relevant today. Yes, they didn't have COVID-19 50 years ago or whenever, but, uh, you know, these same principles that your uh, your tribe has held uh, sacred, if you will, for decades, centuries, are still things that can make a difference for you. Absolutely. Greg, we're going to have to step away for one more break just momentarily, but... Um, I know a lot of folks, they're wanting to engage. They're wanting to take some of this counsel. If I go to a placeofhope.com, are there more things there than just a place to get your books and read your blogs? Um, there's different options on what getting help would could look like. Uh, so, yes, uh, we have a lot of uh, videos that are available. So part of it is it's to be a, a place of hope is to be a resource really a place to begin to get some new information. Tremendous. Aplaceofhope.com. That is Dr. Jantz's website. We're going to come back with a final segment with Dr. Gregory Jantz. Stay tuned. Some really important insights that you don't want to miss. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I'm just texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What is a number story? My number story started with fear and a lack of support, and it has led me to be there for others. A number story begins in our childhood with ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. My number story begins with the separation from my father and the emotional abandonment from my mother and leads to me being a role model to not only myself, but those around me by becoming the person that wasn't there for me. ACEs are so common, two-thirds of us have one. My number story begins with drug abuse and homelessness and leads to realizing that I can live life by my own standards. A study found the more ACEs, the more likely we may experience a host of serious health effects, physical and mental, but that doesn't need to be the case. Your ACE number is simply an entry point to your own story. Where it leads is up to you. 
My number story begins with years of emotional abuse and leads to peace, clarity, and security in my self-worth. Take control of where your number story leads at numberstory.org. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back for the final segment of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Dr. Gregory Jantz has been with me from the top of the hour. He's been sharing with us practical insights into how to, well insulate ourselves from some of the mental health challenges that we're dealing with, not isolate ourselves, but how we can build our resolve, how we can help ourselves if we found ourselves in a rut. Dr. Jantz, we've been talking about some of the particular challenges that affect certain segments of the population, and one that's uh, perhaps the most sobering throughout Indian country and beyond are those younger individuals, 12, 17, and that age range. So much potential, it seems like. And it seems like more and more of them are saying, not only do I not have any potential, I don't have any reason to even be around. And uh, more and more suicide attempts and actually completed suicides. Do you have any hope for people in that age range or for individuals, parents, grandparents that may be dealing with young individuals that are struggling? Yes, I do. And one is we never give up. Now, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Um, If you're I'm thinking of somebody, I believe she was 18, who recently completed a a program here with us, 18 years old, and uh, she had been a victim of online cyber bully behavior, Hmm. and um, I guess it was an ex-boyfriend, had Mm -hmm. uh, been circulating a lot of uh, inappropriate uh, comments and just wouldn't let up in the social media and that cyberbullying can be quite devastating. Not only did she sense uh, betrayal, and betrayal is um, quite the emotion. She sensed a uh, betrayal along with it was just devastating, shamed in front of people in the social media. Um, and so we need to remember there is online abuse, and that online abuse can take many different forms. What it does is if that's our main area that we're, we're connecting through others, um, social media can be pretty rough, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, you can be anything you want to be. You can say anything you want to say. And people say and do things online that they don't do in person. And that's, that's right. what sh- she was a victim of. This individual was doing things online that he was not doing in person. Well, um, she was a college student, first-year college student, and she did have a suicide attempt at a school mm. not far from here. And she was found, and she had taken a, a number of uh, pills. It was an overdose attempt. And it all came back to the devastation of betrayal. And and my life is ruined. He's ruined my life. I can't go mm. on. There's no reason to go on. All my friends now know how horrible I am, etc. And so the big lie uh, was that this one person had ruined my life. It, and if a person's cyber bully behavior, it's actually telling us more about them. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're the one with the issue. So let's remember that. So I do know that, uh, and of course, social media 
uh, with all the emotional abuse that can be present, uh, can be quite devastating. And I just want to acknowledge that. And if you feel overwhelmed, you feel like there's no purpose in, um, in going on, you know, that's what she was feeling. Now, I can tell you today, she's in a total different place. And she's looking at it now. And she's, she can't believe I gave this person so much power in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe I did that. Well, that's what happens. Um, and so let's move out of some of this relying on social media to meet all of our needs, so to speak. <laughs> social media can have a role. It's, you, you, and, and I'm on social media, but it, it cannot rule your life. There's got to be guardrails, and it's not the primary source of our relationships. I mean, this is so powerful, Dr. Jantz. And I know for a lot of people, this is reality. This is the reality, like you've been mentioning. But uh, you're really helping us connect with something, you know, in the field. We talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, telling yourself the truth, uh, you know, confronting these uh, distortions in our thinking. And I I love that illustration because a lot of what we're told on social media or through advertising are things that make us feel inferior, maybe feel like, you know, what's the point of living? And you help this young lady really see that that isn't reality. Um, yeah. Yeah. How about for someone just from a distance, they're listening to a radio show or maybe watching some video footage, if we can, you know, put it out with this show. And they're saying, well, but how does that help me? I'm not sitting in Dr. Jantz's office. Are there some common denominators that uh, we could point people to that would help them? Well, I think one of the common denominators is uh, always um, never give up reaching out for help. Mm. Sometimes you may reach out and go, this didn't work out. So. I'm not going to do anything else. No, there will be. And, you know, um, I always have a, a prayer of wisdom and discernment because uh, I want to be able to uh, really understand what a person needs. And if you stay with it, we can build a plan of hope. And it's got to be a whole person plan. So uh, hang in there with this. It, it may take a little time I, I, uh, and it may be pretty rough for a while, but it is worth the weight. So please maintain moving forward and uh, allow others to help. This is so, uh, so powerful. I was just speaking with a patient the other day, similar story. And although I'm working in primary care, we do see a lot of mental health issues. And that's what she shared with me. She said, I talked to a number of healthcare providers about really it was, you know, mood related issues, depression, and no one seemed to be helping, but she just kept asking. She didn't throw in the towel and, uh, She's now on a you know a path where she's getting help. So yeah, very important message. So many people, I think, well, find it easy to give up. I mean, I, isn't that the essence of suicide? Exactly. And it's not unusual if you feel that way. But the key is, tell yourself, I'm going forward. I am not giving up. So a few more messages. Dr. Greg, that I think would be helpful. You've got a book. It's entitled So Much to Live For. If uh, someone said, you know, like we've talked about these folks uh, already on the show, they respond with nothing but disbelief when they hear the title. But are there a few things that you'd like to leave our listeners with, things that are often sources of meaning that might be overlooked? Sure. Uh, one of the things, and it might be hard to think about doing this, but take um, and write out uh, some of your desires or goals uh, 
um, I'll call them life goals. Before you were struggling, or if you can remember a time when you were feeling better about yourself, uh, what were some things, think physically, what were some goals emotionally? Look at the whole person, um, but begin to uh, write out prior to my struggle, what did I want? What were my desires? Think about what you'd like in relationships, but let's go back and map out some things that were back in your heart, maybe earlier on. Um, Mm -hmm. You're not less than you ever were. Now, you may have struggled here for a while, but you're, you, this is a struggle. This is not your identity. This is a period and a season in your life that if we handle it right, will make you stronger. But this season in your life is not your identity. It's not who you are. Remember that. This is so great. Um, just uh, actually reminds me of someone that we had the privilege of uh, having as a friend for many years who really was in terrible mental health straits prior to us getting to know her, but really did exactly what you were sharing, Greg. She didn't let her past define her. And I mean, it was, I don't want to go into detail, but it was, I mean, it was really bad. And she really became an agency of healing, uh, someone who gave other people hope, because like you said, she didn't let that bad place in her life, which was a long period of time, define her, she actually grew stronger from it. I so appreciate you um, putting that point of emphasis on the on the whole struggle today. Yeah, you got it. I can tell you because I see it in people's lives, there really is hope. That's not, I'm just not saying that because I see the transformation. So I want you to know it is true. Greg, we uh, do have to wind up. I mean, it seems like uh, the clock always uh, wins, especially when I have a guest who's been doing something and having great success for many years. So uh, there's a lot more that you have to share, and folks can find that on your website. Tell us again how to get there and a little bit about what we'll find there. Sure. A place of hope. That's a place of hope.com. And uh, be sure to dig in there a bit. There's a section of blogs and new postings. So it's an information uh, website besides a site that will help you learn more about getting help. And again, there are resources throughout the country. And Greg, one of the great things about your website, not only can I pick up some of the books that we talked about, like the Anxiety Reset or So Much to Live For, but you've got uh, videos that really are very engaging that can walk people through some of this material. Just give us a quick sampling of that before we have to say goodbye. Well, one of the videos I would watch is the recent testimonials that are generally two minutes or less. Uh, and if you want to go, well, how did, what was somebody's experience? Uh, there's those for depression, anxiety, and addiction, but begin to look, all right, these are people that know the other side. Hear their stories because your story is in the making as well. And the outcome can be very good. Tremendous message. Greg, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on today's edition of the show. Good to be with you today. Well, that is all for today. If you want to connect with Dr. Gregory Jantz, again, that website, aplaceofhope.com. For all of us at American Indian and Alaska Native Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One the Native American Radio Network.